Greetings, Calvary Chapel Old Town. Um, I wanted to send you uh, a little more polished video, but unfortunately I got back here today from one of the refugee camps and I'm locked out of my room, so I couldn't do any video editing. Uh, behind me are some students. They've been part of a five-day workshop for Sunday school teachers. And uh, I, we started out being able to teach them and I did some stories with them as well as uh, taught them how to use the flannel graph. Actually, three of the students came and they became born again. They gave their lives to Jesus Christ. So we praise God for that. Uh, currently, uh, Benny is in a, I think he's in Borley, uh, helping out with the graduation ceremony from an oral Bible school. I was in Boudry the last couple days on the other side of the Nile and uh, I was teaching the Oral Bible School and in the church there. Uh, the plan is on Tuesday for me to leave uh, with Rafat over to Kenya. As you can see behind me, they've got the construction of the training center going on. It's uh, pretty awesome to see and uh, God has been blessing that. And uh, I'm excited to share with you the update of how this training center has been being used as fast as it can get built it's being used to train up people and send them out for, for the mission. So God bless you all, I miss you all, and Lord willing, I will uh, be able to send you a good polished video. Uh, I apologize that uh, it just hasn't worked out yet. Alrighty, God bless you, looking forward to see you. Oh, and uh, there's something really, really important I need to tell you all. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers. Uh, we really appreciate you, and we have some wonderful mothers in our fellowship. So thank you so much for your sacrifice, uh, your ministry to your children and your families. And uh, we really appreciate you. God bless you. Bye-bye. You know what's really cool is that it might be hard to share the gospel here in the U.S. A lot of people are turned off these days. You go overseas to places like Africa and, and, uh, and parts of Asia People are open to the gospel, and people are coming to, to the Lord in droves. I've heard a million people a day are coming in China, and they, they, they like arrest you for being a Christian there. So we have a lot to hope for, that God's doing his thing. Anyway, my name's Bob Boxer, and if you don't know me, hello. <laughs> and we're going to continue from... Uh, 2 Samuel chapter 15, so if you have a Bible, go ahead and, and open that up. But let me ask this question. Has anybody here ever had someone you love turn against you? Jesus. Well, not Jesus. Or have you ever had someone you trusted lie to you? Or worse, is when you realize that it's somebody from maybe your own family or a close friend or, or even somebody from church. Uh, if you know who Corey Tin Boone was, um, she said it was harder for her to forgive a friend who betrayed her at church than it was to forgive a German concentration camp guard that watched out over her. And if you've ever been, say, divorced or estranged from your sibling or parent, you know what I'm talking about, right? And it, it's at those times you can lose hope for the future. 
But I do have some good news. Our future is with God. Anyways, from hurt and betrayal, sometimes you think the pain will never end. To be honest, I've felt that way at times in my life. Although it's not true, it does end. But what we're going to see here tonight is that David learned about this the hard way. Look at uh, verse 1, chapter 15. It says, after this, and I think that's a reference. Remember the murder, murder of Amnon by Absalom. Those are two brothers, by the way, because Amnon raped his sister. And then there was all this drama with David. And it says, after this, it happened that Absalom provided himself with chariots and horses and 50 men to run before him. In fact, by the way, this is the first time we see chariots mentioned used by Israelites. And what Absalom is doing is he's setting himself up to look like a king. And to me, it seems that his bitterness and his anger against his father has gotten the better of him. And the truth is, life can get you bitter or it can get you better. And it's your choice. And what we see here is the flame of rebellion. And the truth is, this isn't just a rebellion against David. Because this really is a rebellion against God. He's telling the people, hey, look at me, I should be king. But you remember the words of the scripture? What it says, pride comes before the what? The fall, that's right. Let's read on in verse 2. Now Absalom would rise early and stand beside the way to the gate. Now sitting at the gate, by, by the way, is a sign of leadership in a city. So he's trying to be the head honcho. So it was whenever anyone who had a lawsuit came to the king for a decision that Absalom would call to him and say, what city are you from? And then he would say, your servant is from such and such a tribe of Israel. Then Absalom would say to him, look, your case is good and right, but there's no deputy of the king to hear you. Moreover, Absalom would say, oh, that I were made judge in the land and everyone who has any suit or cause would come to me and then I would find him justice. Did you see what Absalom's doing? He's being a politician. He's telling people what they want to hear. And the truth is, some things never change. Just turn on the news. Watch the politics these days. People still listen to these lies, and the sad thing is, they still believe them. Anyways, he goes on. Verse 5. And so it was, whenever anyone came near to bow down to him, he would put out his hand and take him and kiss him. In this manner, Absalom acted toward all Israel who came to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. Now, I have a Jewish background. There's a word we would use. He's schmoozing them. You've ever heard that word? He's schmoozing them. Verse 7. And it came to pass that after, my text says 40 years. I don't know what yours says. Um, 
Other translations say four years because there's, there's a little bit of a problem. Absalom didn't even live 40 years. But let's read on. That Absalom said to the king, please let me go to Hebron and pay the vow which I made to the Lord. The problem of all of this is this is a lie because it is a half-truth. He might have been fulfilling a vow. That's true. But the truth is he's going there to start a rebellion. And he forgot to tell David that part. And remember, David, no matter what he's done, is still the king's, the Lord's anointed and rightful king of Israel. Verse 8. For your servant took a vow while I dwelt in uh, Geshur in Syria, saying, If the Lord indeed brings me back to Jerusalem, then I will serve the Lord. And the king said to him, Go in peace. So he arose and went to Hebron. Now this is Absalom's second great mistake. The first was pride. The second is that he's using the Lord's name, I would say, in vain. You see, his self-righteousness and, and pride are leading to what I believe is ultimately the unpardonable sin. He's taking the Lord's name in vain. Check it out in the, in the Ten Commandments. That's the one sin that God will not forgive. And I think there's a special place, please forgive me, in hell for those who justify evil in the name of the Lord. Like jihadists, right? Who kill innocent people in the name of God yelling Allah Akbar, which means God is great. They do this while they're destroying and murdering. Absalom is taking the name of the Lord to manipulate his father. So much for, you know, honor your father and mother. Absalom brings God's judgment upon himself. And here's the truth. We will reap what we sow in life. And one thing that bothers me a lot is I see people use God's name to manipulate others, for example, to raise money or selfish gain. God's name is not a con. Anybody here heard of Reverend Ike? Oh, Reverend Ike was an interesting guy. I remember many years ago I was um, a young Christian. I went to my friend's house and I shared my testimony with them and I was saying what God had done in my life and they're going... I don't know, Bob, what are you talking about? And then there came in, a mail, in the mail a, a flyer from Reverend Ike. And Reverend Ike in the flyer said, send me $10,000 and I'll pray for you. And then underneath that it said, if you don't have $10,000, mortgage your house and send me $10,000 and I'll pray for you. Do you think my friends wanted anything to do with the Lord? No. And do people like that really believe in the Lord at all? I believe that the Lord will hold them accountable. I believe that's taking God's name in vain. Remember what does the Bible say the beginning of wisdom is? Fear, or I would say respect of the Lord. Verse 10. Then Absalom sent spies throughout all the tribes of Israel saying, as soon as you hear the sound of the trumpet, then you shall say, Absalom reigns in Hebron. Now, Hebron used to be the capital of Israel or before Jerusalem. 
And with Absalom went 200 men invited from Jerusalem, and they went along innocently and did not know anything. They might have been leaders of Israel at that time, and maybe Absalom thought he could win them over. So he invited him, them to join him in, in this sacrifice to the Lord. Verse 12. Then Absalom sent for Athophel, the, the Gileonite, David's counselor from his city, from Gil, Gilo. And when he offered sacrifices, and the conspiracy grew strong, for the people with Absalom continually increased in number. What we see here is Athrophel's betrayal of David. Now, Athrophel was David's very, very close friend. In fact, in Psalm 55, David writes about this. Let me read it to you. For it was not an enemy that reproached me, then I could have borne it. Neither was it he that hated me that did magnify himself against me. Then I would have hid myself from him. But it was you, my guide, my acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together and walked into the house of God in company. You know what? I don't think there's anything worse than to be, tr be betrayed by a friend or a family member. Talk to anybody whose spouse committed adultery on them. Or maybe you've seen the, the outcome of those kinds of things. And in a sense, Athrophel, follow me, is a type of Judas. And some people believe, you know, Psalm 41, where it says, even a close friend in whom I'm trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted his heel against me. They're talking, they refer that to Judas, but it was really about Athrophel. So David's top guys are leaving him to be with Absalom. And David prays in Psalm 55 that God would hold them accountable for their lies and their betrayal. But here's the real problem. David is stuck. He's having a hard time choosing to fight against his son. And I'm guessing underneath everything, David is feeling guilty about what he's done. Remember Bathsheba and all that stuff. And let me say something. Guilt... Guilt will stop you from doing all sorts of good things or the right thing. How many parents spoil their children because they feel guilty because they maybe work too much or they've been divorced and they're a Disneyland dad or mom and they only see their child every other weekend, so what do they do? They spoil the child because they're controlled by their guilt. Well, David's guilt comes from his own sin that with Bathsheba, and he turned a blind eye over Amnon's rape of his sister. Now Absalom is walking all around Israel, basically, trying to take over, and he's going to take over without a fight because, you know what the bottom line is? Not only does David feel guilty, but David still loves his son. Look at verse 13. Now a messenger came to David saying, the hearts of the men of Israel are with Absalom. So David said to all his servants who were with him at Jerusalem, arise and let us flee or we shall not escape from Absalom. Make haste to depart lest he overtake us suddenly and bring disaster upon us. 
and strike the city with the edge of the sword. So David withdraws from the city, from Jerusalem. And it looks like, and they're dressed like this, as a funeral procession. And uh, they're going up the Mount of Olives. You know what's really ironic? If you go to the Mount of Olives today, and I was there in 2019, it's a giant cemetery. Seriously. And uh, in fact, we were there and we were looking over at the Mount of Olives and, you know, I'm thinking, Jesus is going to come back and that's going to split open. Right? That's what it says. And up behind us come up all these people who were mourning. And it was just sort of eerie. And you go, oh, the dead shall rise. Yeah, they're going to rise out of the cemetery. I just think it's kind of ironic. And, and you got to remember, remember Jesus was in at the Mount of Olives in the Garden of what? Gethsemane. Do you know what the word Gethsemane means in Hebrew? It means the pressing place. It was the place where they press olives to make olive oil. You know, we all want to be with Jesus or at least I would have wanted to be with Jesus, you know, when he's turning water into wine and feeding the 5,000 and he's doing all these miracles. But we don't want to be with Jesus when he's in the pressing place. Remember when he was in Gethsemane? All his disciples basically left him. He was all alone. Remember he asked Peter, James, and John just to, to pray for him? And they fell asleep. But Jesus was in Gethsemane, and it says drops of blood were, were coming from his forehead. Jesus was pressed in Gethsemane, and now David is being pressed at the exact same spot. His own family has turned against him. And let me say this. I believe Satan, I do believe there is a Satan, by the way, attacks families because he knows it's within families that people, he can hurt people the most. Let me ask you a personal question. Have you been to your own Mount of Olives? Have you been to your own pressing place? Have you been to Gethsemane? Well, think about this. If you've been there and you've struggled and you've hurt, know that God knows how much you can handle and he knows what pain to allow in your life. And if God allows us to struggle, we should not be afraid. Because he's calling you to go through something, he's going to be with you in it. And he has a purpose for whatever you're going through, and it will work out, I believe, it works out for the good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And maybe when God gets you to the pressing place in your life, Maybe, maybe he's trying to teach you something. Maybe he's trying to grow you. Maybe he's trying to move you in your life. You might not like the way things are sometimes in your life. And your life might hurt. But I do believe with all my heart that God is still with you no matter what. And the doctors might say, well, hey, it looks like cancer. Or maybe you have a Maybe you're a parent with a teenager and they're being a teenager. Or maybe you don't have the money or you don't have the time. But let me say this. You've got God's grace. 
And God says to each and every one of us, if we're believers, he says, don't be afraid. Now things are looking bad for David. And you know what? I think this was probably harder for him, dealing with this betrayal of his son, than dealing with Goliath. And now Absalom is walking into the city to take over. Look at verse 15. Then the king's servants said to the king, We are your servants, ready to do whatever the Lord the king commands. Then the king went out with all his household after him. But the king left ten women, concubines, to keep the house. And the king went out and all the people after him and stopped at the outskirts. Then all his servants passed before him, and all the Cherites and the Pelethites and all the Gittites, and 600 men who followed him from Gath passed before the king. Did you notice the guys from Gath? Do you know who those guys are? They're Philistines. Look how times have changed. Now Goliath's own people or on, J- on David's side. So which, that reminds me of one thing important. No matter what you're going through, things are going to change. And in that by itself should give you peace. Look at verse 19. Then the king said to uh, Ittah, the, the Gittite, why are you also going with us? Return and remain with the king. For you are a foreigner and also an exile from your own place. In fact, You came only yesterday. Should I make you wander up and down with us today? Since I go, I know not where. Return and take your brethren back. Mercy and truth be with you. But Ittah answered the king and said, As the Lord lives, as my lord the king lives, surely in whatever place my lord the king shall be, whether in death or life, even there also your servant will be. So David said to Ittah, go and cross over. Then Ittah the Gittite and all his men and all the little ones who were with him crossed over and all the country wept with a loud voice and all the people crossed over. The king himself crossed over the brook Kidron and all the people crossed over toward the way of the wilderness. I've been on that road. It's, it is wilderness. It's going out into the desert. Then Zadok also and all the Levites with him bearing the Ark of the Covenant. And they sat down the Ark and Abathar went up until all the people had finished crossing over from the city. Then the king said to Zadok, carry the Ark of God back into the city. If I find favor in the eyes of the Lord, he will bring me back and show me both it and his dwelling place. Now David must believe that his his suffering is what was pronounced over him by Nathan for his sin. But do you notice what he does? He almost he throws himself entirely into the hands of God, trusting in God's mercy. And the question for all of us is, is when trouble comes, will you keep your faith? Will you continue to trust in the Lord when times get bad? When you mess up, will you throw yourself sort of like, if I got in trouble, you know, before the Lord, it's like, Lord, 
I throw myself on the mercy of the court. I'm sorry. Forgive me. I, I like to be quick to say, Lord, help me. Would you be willing to do that? Can you at least admit you're wrong sometimes? And it's interesting that David is unwilling to have the ark carried with him. He's not looking for God's extra presence. He's not looking for God's power. He feels if God wills, and that's interesting, that he will be, he will be brought again in peace. And if not, he's perfectly willing to submit himself to whatever God has for him. It's sort of like Jesus. David submits his will at the Mount of Olives, his own Gethsemane. And in a sense, like Jesus, David is saying, not my will be done, Lord, but your will be done. Can you trust God for the outcome of your problems? That's the ultimate question. Let's read on. But if he, he's talking about the Lord here, says thus, I have no delight in you. Here I am. Let him do to me as seems good to him. The king also said to Zadok the priest, are you not a seer? Return to the city in peace. And your two sons with you, Amaz your son, and Jonathan the son of Abathar, see, I will wait in the plains of the wilderness until word comes from you to inform me. Then Zadok and Abathar carried the ark of God back to Jerusalem, and they remained there. So David went up by the ascent of the Mount of Olives and wept as he went up, and he had his head covered and went barefoot. And all the people who were with him covered their heads and went up weeping as they wept. That's how Jews mourn, covering their heads, ripping their clothes, then someone told David, saying, Athrophel is among the conspirators with Absalom, his good friend. And David said, O oh Lord, I pray, turn the counsel of Athrophel into foolishness. Now it happened when David had come to the top of the mountain where he worshiped God. In the midst of David's struggle, in the midst of all his pain, do you see what he does? He worships God. I don't mean to get real personal, but I'd like to say sometimes God uses pain. God uses pain, our pain, for his glory. Your life is not some accident, and you are not a victim. God knows where you're at, no matter what you're going through. He knows where you hurt, and he takes no pleasure in the pains of your life. But he loves the way, and I have to say this for myself, the way some of the struggles in my life have changed me. He changes us through that. God permits what he hates to accomplish what he loves, if that makes any sense at all. Think about the cross. God allowed the pain of the cross for the redemption of the world. His power is perfected in us through our weakness. That's what the book says. The question is, will we surrender ourselves to the will of God? My question for you is, 
when you are faced with struggles, and if you really want to make the, the devil unhappy, worship God and praise him. I'm serious about that. The question is, will you still have faith? You see, I would rather struggle in this world with the Lord than have all the pleasures of the world without Jesus. Because Jesus is worth more than this life. And he's bigger than any problem you might be facing today. When life happens, and here's the point, you have to choose whether you will trust God or not. Rejoicing and trusting in the Lord is your spiritual blessing, and it's for your own mental health. Paul said, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. He's telling us to seek God in the midst of our problems and rejoice in him. And in that, there's a hedge of protection. As we trust God despite circumstances, I believe it protects us from bitterness and anger, and that will destroy you. And you can, get, you can live life st- stuck in your feelings of, of guilt, or you can be controlled by your past, or you can have fear for the future. But, but friends, this is the day that the Lord has made, right? Let us rejoice and be glad in it. God has redeemed us from the past, and he has an everlasting future for every one of us in this room. And he says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. There's some joy in remembering those things. Now remember, Nathan said to David, your sons are going to rebel against you. And the truth is, it came to pass. And we see David is a broken man here. He accepts God's judgment, and he commits himself totally into the hands of God. And you know what I think? I think that's what it really means to be a man after God's own heart. No matter what, David's heart belonged to God and to the Lord. Despite the drama in your life, not that anybody here would have any drama in their life, uh, do you still belong to God? Because I've seen people, when they have trials or God says no to some prayer, they walk out of church for years, if not forever. And here's the truth. All of us, I don't care who you are, at one time in your life are going to have your own Mount of Olives, Gethsemane, pressing place experience. But we need to remember that God hears, God knows, and he's right here right now for all of us, and God has won the victory. So how can you win? Well, one way, as we looked here in our text, it's by surrendering like David. As long as you're fighting your will against God's will, you're not going to win. But it's sort of ironic But the way to victory is by surrendering when you give your will over to God. And in that moment, you triumph and you conquer and you become the victor. So remember this, seriously. When your life falls apart or when you go through something hard, remember, nothing just happens in life. Maybe your child or your girlfriend or your boyfriend breaks your heart. Realize nothing just happens in life. Nothing just happens. 
Maybe you should remember that. But here's the real question. Do you really believe that God is in control? Do you believe that God is sovereign? That he controls the universe? Let me say this. God is still God. And I believe that God has a purpose for everything that happens in our lives. And I can look back honestly at my life and and the thing that I thought was my greatest curse in the end turned out to be my greatest blessing. I just didn't see it at the time. Can you look back at your own life and see the hand of God? I hope so. You know, in spite of all my struggles in life, and I've had them, I earned these gray hairs. <laughs> you know, in the midst of everything, I kept on trusting in the Lord and serving the Lord. And the truth is, it did work out for my good. I think of Psalm 30 where it says, I called on the Lord. The Lord heard my cry and turned my, my mourning, my weeping, into dancing. The Bible says, the steps of a good man are guided by the Lord. Friends, what I'm trying to say is, be encouraged. Be encouraged because God is still on the throne. And no matter what you're going through, you have a future and you have a hope and you have an inheritance with God. And God wants to bless you. The Bible says, trust in the Lord, lean not on your own understanding, and he will Direct your paths, that's right. Let me read on from verse 32 and I'll finish this up. There was uh, Hisha, the, the archite, coming to meet him with his robe torn, again, sign of mourning, and dust on his head. David said to him, if you go with me, then you will become a burden to me. Follow me on this. This is a ploy. This, David, I said he surrendered to God, right? But notice, he's not giving up. David is as sneaky as ever. He's making his old friend a spy against Absalom. And here's a little saying you can, it's not mine. I, I think Chuck Smith was the first one to say this. He said, do your best and commit the rest. That's a, that's a good one. Surrendering to God doesn't mean you quit or give up on your life. You still need to deal with your problems. Does that make sense? Faith doesn't mean hiding from reality. It's not about being so heavenly minded you're no earthly good. What I mean is, watch what David does. Look at verse 34 through 37. But if you return to the city and say to Absalom, I will be your servant, O king, as I was your father's servant previously. So I will now also be your servant. Then you may defeat the council of Athrophel for me. And do you not have Zadok and Abathar the priests with you there? Therefore, it, it will be that whatever you hear from the king's house, you tell to Zadok and Abathar the priest. Indeed, they have there with them their two sons, Amazar, Zadok's son, and Jonathan, Abathar's son. And by them, you shall send me everything you hear. So Cushai, David's friend, went into the city, and Absalom came into Jerusalem. So what did David do? He sets up a spy network. 
Let me just give you the hint, the difference between winning and losing in life. Of course, you win with the Lord, but in reality, many things in life are like this. Losers are people, when life happens and they fall down, they stay down, they quit. Winners, when they're falling down, they're already getting back up. They're already getting back in the race, if you know what I mean. Or I call it falling forward. And you have a choice. You can stay down and quit in your life when things don't go your way, or you can get up and keep on keeping on. And you have a choice. Life can make you bitter, or it can make you better, as I said earlier. You can let circumstances destroy you, or you can use those same circumstances to help yourself, to learn about yourself, and ultimately help others. And isn't that what the cross is all about? It's turning something hurtful into something good. The truth is, God took all my hurt and my pain, and that pushed me to become a better person to become a better pastor, to become a better counselor. In fact, from all my struggles, I can understand other people when they hurt. Glory to God. God, as I said, took what I thought was a curse in my life and used it to be my greatest blessing. You see, your struggle, whatever it is today, it's an opportunity to trust God. First John says this, our victory over the world is what? Do you know what it says? It says our faith. Tonight, do you have the faith of David? Notice, even though he was betrayed by his own son who he loved, he doesn't give up. He still trusts in the Lord. And my question is, will you? Don't give up on yourself or God. And here's something I'd just like to say. See, I read the end of the book. We win. And with that, I'm going to close in a word of prayer. That finishes chapter 15. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this time. I thank you for each person you brought here. I I pray that you... This has been a blessing to them. It's been a blessing to me just to to play music and share your word. Lord, help us to keep our eyes focused on you. Help us not to give up when the going gets tough. Lord, how much we need you. How much we need to see how much you love us. So now we give you the praise and glory that's due your name forever and ever. You are God. Amen.